0: Thanks for joining in with us today, everybody. My name's David and today I have Lisa Ingram with us. She is a veteran violinist and educator in the Tacoma area and she's gonna run us through some of the history of the Tacoma Opera Company, how they adapted and grew over time and what the company needs to succeed following the COVID-19 pandemic. Lisa, thanks for being on with me today. Happy to be here. All right, so briefly tell us about yourself, your start in Tacoma's performing arts community and uh, where you are now?
1: Well, (laughs) I have been uh, in the Tacoma area my entire life. I grew up playing in the Tacoma Youth Symphony orchestras, A couple years in Junior Symphony, another four years in Youth Symphony, and went on to um, uh, PLU, uh, majored in both choral and instrumental education and finished there around 1985. Um, I started playing with Symphony Tacoma, which at that time was Tacoma Symphony that (laughs) same summer, Um, and then started playing with the opera for their um, winter production, which I believe was in January of 1986, and I have been playing with them ever since, and I play for all sorts of different things throughout the area, but those are probably my two big gigs, uh, as well as uh, um, playing with the Combrio String Quartet, which started while I was an undergrad at PLU.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So, I mean, you went from, pretty much straight from college right into the symphony and opera in in the city, correct?
1: Correct, and I've been actually teaching since I was in ninth grade. (laughs) About the middle of ninth grade was when I started teaching, and I've maintained private students kind of the entire time. Um, Not too many shortly after college and, you know, in that beginning years, but now I've got a pretty full boat teaching both in private studio and also at Cascade Christian
0: Schools. Wow, it sure sounds like it. So let's get on to the Tacoma Opera here. So the Opera Society started in about 1968, and became a professional company in 81 so you came in there just about at the beginning um, yeah it,
1: it was 1986 that I started playing with them mm-hmm. um, Anne Farrell was still um, the director and Hans Wolf was the artistic director and conductor uh, and it was really his brainchild that started Tacoma Opera, and he was quite the endearing gentleman. Everybody loved Hans. He was. Uh, all, it was always an adventure working with him, also because he would get very, very excited when he was conducting.
0: Oh wow! So this is so. This was an environment with a with a passionate and enigmatic leader. It sounds like very
1: much so. Very okay. much so. Opera, he lived and breathed. <laughs>
0: Okay, and then the next era is going to be with Rod Gideons and David Bartholomew. So, for nearly the next decade, the opera expanded in its success and scale, the, pr- the productions they put on. Uh, tell us what that time was like as someone within the productions and uh, maybe one of your favorite memories.
1: Well, the transition from um, Anne and Hans. Uh, I actually started as the orchestra manager in 92, and they were both involved at that point, um, and continued to play in the orchestra also. Um, with Rod Gideon's coming on board, um, a little of the focus changed. Things got a little more professional before then. Okay. um there was much more of a family environment, I think would be a good way to put it. Um, (laughs) And still, even in the pit itself, it it is definitely a family environment all through those years. That's the only way that you can come together quickly when you only have a few rehearsals and only two in the pit before you have to put on production is you have to be a close-knit family. So when you're coming together, it's like a family reunion. But with... um, Uh, Rod Gideon's, um, along with him, was David Bartholomew, which actually, I believe he started when Anne was still there Mm -hmm. um, as the artistic director. And along with him came a connection to Benton Hess, who is uh, another conductor who lives and breathes opera. Uh, He teaches at Eastman, Um, and has developed an incredible opera training company in Italy every summer and we had the incredible honor of having him in the pit with us um, uh, For all of the major opera productions, so all of our big uh, productions we would do in the the winter time um, would be with Benton at the helm and he was so amazing to work with, um, and that was, I think, the time that the orchestra and the opera itself really had its greatest initial growth, from you know a small company to something that really was a much more professional production. He knew his stuff, and the the camaraderie he had with David, and just that whole relationship with the the hierarchy there. Was really great for the growth of the opera and for the level of orchestral excellence. Um, Benton never got mad. He but boy, you would do anything to keep him happy with the way you played. So you know you would just give him anything, um, and he. It, was so level-headed that even when things went wrong, he kept a smile on his face. And it was a little bit like having Buddha in the pit. It was just wonderful. And just an incredible conductor to work with. So we were sad when his other responsibilities got so much that he was no longer able to come out for our yearly productions.
0: But he did travel extensively to come out there when he did. Oh
1: yes, he's going from the East Coast over over to the other coast. Um, Yeah, that's amazing. But it was a joy, an absolute joy to work with him. And, you know, I'm still in contact with him to this day. Thank you, Facebook.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. So then, The next era we have is going essentially between 2003 and 2011. And is it it Kate or Catherine Smith? She went
1: by Catherine.
0: Okay, she went by Catherine. I I wanted to be clear on that. So during that period, the opera saw both continued success and some troubling times with the 2008 recession in view. So tell us, what impact did the recession have to the opera, and how did the company turn the corner during that time? Oh, it's it's
1: been an an interesting road for the opera. I have to say that Catherine was a, an incredibly fabulous leader. Um, she was able to um, orchestrate some amazing productions. Uh, I think that the probably the biggest productions that we did were during her time there. And I believe that was also around the same time that the pit was expanded in the Pantages. And Mm. so we were able to do operas with larger orchestras. Up until they expanded the pit, um, we were confined to operas that had a much smaller orchestra because we needed a larger pit to do Carmen. And Uh, that was my first opera major production opera with them as orchestra manager Um, the 92-93 season and so that would have been our our uh, like February 93 production Um, and so we went from having three scrunched up rows of orchestra to be able to add two more rows and at some point in that some productions we had at that time, we had as many as fifty musicians down there, and wow. prior to that, we could only house less than half.
0: And I mean that does something phenomenal for the feeling. Of exactly, the
1: house. exactly. But also for the operas that we were able to put on, um, many of the later operas required much grander orchestras, and so you really needed that yeah. um, at. So anyway, we we were able to do some much bigger productions, um, and Catherine was just amazing at finding ways to save money. A lot of things that she did herself that normally you'd have somebody else do, but she was just finding all sorts of ways to save money in order to put on the best productions possible. So when the recession hit, it it got a little trickier, but she did a really good job of keeping things afloat. Uh, The recession has hit as hard, and it has been, the last few years, have actually been a really rough road for the opera.
0: Yeah.
1: Not just because of the recession. um, They dealt with some other financial issues that were unforeseen, and um, unfortunate, um, some embezzlement, some unexpected out of the blue left field tax audit that really left them reeling for about three years. And we were getting back on our feet, and COVID hit. <laughs> and so um, they've s- still done a remarkable job of staying afloat, of um, Keeping uh, their outlying, you know, they're out- spending in check in doing reduced orchestrations because now they're creating some smaller orchestrations for smaller orchestras for big productions. And many of our shows have not been in the Pantages but have been in the Rialto, which gives both a more intimate feel. The Rialto is just acoustically a fabulous place to perform, and the audience feels like it's much more a part of a production. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything within that context also has to be scaled down, um, which is good for the budget. And they've done a remarkable job with sets, with uh, updating the even the setting of... How something is per- portrayed. Uh, when we did Magic Flute this last time,
0: they uh, uh, took just to catch our viewers up here, oh. our listeners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so at at this point, we're we're talking about uh, the time period in between in between 2011 to the present with Dr. Noel Koran as the executive director, who who you and I are both familiar with his charming and charismatic demeanor. Yes. I just wanted to catch them up on there with that. Go ahead and go ahead and continue. I guess here, I Lee, did so. min-
1: miss that part, didn't I? Um, uh, anyway, the when we did Magic Flute this last time, we did it in a Native American setting, as opposed to the Egyptian setting of the original um, uh, Mozart opera, yeah. and even included some of the native. Um, drum, uh, I can't even think of how, how they called it, but um, oh, sure. from the Puyallup tribe. So we had some community connections and outreach, and so there were people coming to the opera to see their family and friends that would never have come to the opera before. And so in creating those connections, that's a really big part of what the arts community is really doing this in this season is creating those connections. Um, Over COVID there have been, well, all of the arts community has had to reinvent themselves yes. and figure out how to do things in a um, distant way. <laughs> there have been all sorts of videos that have been created from the Tacoma Opera artists. Um, they've done operagrams. They've done all sorts of things. And I have to say that for the opera, for the symphony, for you know all these different arts organizations, Um, they are really being kept afloat by donors who believe in these companies and who want to make sure that when we get back to in person it's going to be there.
0: Wow that's that's wonderful very encouraging to hear and uh, interesting you should mention the uh, Puyallup tribe and how how their drums had a role in that uh, in that production, that's actually something that we've that we've studied in this course, oh, it's the Puyallup tribes, the role of the drum in n- mm-hmm. in Northwestern uh, American Indian culture, and uh, just so so great to hear that um the arts kept fighting to oh, stay alive Oh, definitely, definitely,
1: COVID. it has been a season of reinvention. Yes. Um and. Imagination beyond what you think you can do. Um, it, it's the only way the arts will survive.
0: Okay. So lastly, I got, I got a couple questions here for you regarding the future. Um, I mean, what is, what is the company looking forward to the most moving forward? I mean, you have of course audience op- opening <laughs> up audience, right? Yeah.
1: We all want to be in person. I mean that that is for the last year um, it's like a little piece of you is missing I mean that's truly the way the arts and the artists feel Um, and so uh, I just read um, I think this morning that um, Noel has requested to transition from general director to artistic director and so as we move forward you know he'll finish out the season they'll, they'll work on the transition and filling the gaps but he really wants to work more in the artistic end of things than overseeing everything um, and uh, so we will see how that okay. how that moves forward but I'm excited because this is an area that he he excels in uh, okay. when he is directing it's the shows have been wonderful. So it will be exciting to see how that plays out in the next few months. And like I said, I just read the announcement, I believe it was this morning. So I don't know how that all works, but as soon as it is humanly possible for the opera to be in person again, it will be. We'll just have to wait and see how how things open up i am encouraged to hear that we are finally getting to phase three. Oh my gosh yes. hallelujah um for so many reasons i am so happy we're getting to phase three um the ability to play nicely with others <laughs> is uh something i am truly looking forward to whether it's the opera or the symphony or you know any of the other gigs that I generally play on a regular basis. Um, there have been very few in the last year. I have been blessed to do a few. Um, some church things that have some, most have been pre-recorded. Some have been um, with a very few people in the congregation for churches, but um, that and one wedding is about the extent of what I've done in the last year.
0: And so uh, before, we, before we wrap it up here, I just wanted to leave the floor open for you to uh, if there's anything that you could pin out that the opera needs most from the community in the city or what you would like the community to know most about the opera, I just wanted to leave that one open for you there.
1: Uh, I would say that one of the biggest things that can be done right now is to financial support. That's huge, and realize that opera is not all about horns and breastplates. Not everything is, <laughs> and and sopranos singing really high notes for hours on end. Um, that's Wagnerian opera, and personally, that's not my favorite either. <laughs> um, but but realize that a lot of opera is very accessible to the everyday person. Um, it's not necessarily what you think, which is probably what you discovered also, David, the first time you went to an opera. Oh, sure. That, uh, and, but make sure you know the story ahead of time. If you know the story, then it's very easy to follow along. Um, the opera does, uh, for their final dress rehearsal, they open it up to students and students get a taste of something that they have never seen before but many of them discover that hey this is pretty cool and i wouldn't have thought it so you know uh, support your local arts organizations that is the biggest thing we can do in order to make sure that they are there when we can open up again
0: (laughs) okay well thanks for that lisa so you you heard it here support your community they need you and you they want to serve you they want to perform they want out of this thanks for listening everyone we're out